Suicide is a tough topic, but the Washington County Reach for Hope Suicide Prevention Coalition wants you to know that there is always hope. We are a caring community reaching out to provide compassion and hope for a community free of suicide. In the next half hour, we'll talk with community partners to identify risk factors, raise awareness, and discuss prevention strategies. Hello and welcome to our first vodcast for Reach for Hope Utah, where there's always hope. I'm Melissa Anderson, and with me today is Reach for Hope Coalition Director and Southwest Southwest Prevention Specialist, Teresa Willie. Thanks for joining us today, Teresa. Yeah, thanks for having me. You know, for those out there who don't already know what it is, please tell us what Reach for Hope is, the coalition, how long it's been operating here in Washington County. Okay, so Reach for Hope uh, was organized in 2012. So we've been around for a couple of years, and it's the, the County Suicide Prevention Coalition. It's the umbrella for all of the suicide prevention efforts in the community, and our goal is to have zero suicides. Right. You know, why is it so important that we talk about suicide? Back in the day, it was kind of taboo. Why is it important to talk about suicide prevention now, this day and age? Well, we need to start having those conversations. I think that part of the, the problem is that there's so much stigma surrounding suicide and mental illness that it kind of increases the um, the idea that that somebody might um, take their life it might keep them from getting services that they might need so talking about it reduces stigma and it helps encourage that help-seeking behavior right and here in utah we do have quite a big problem with that and uh, there could be many reasons why but but uh, tell us about our suicide statistics right here in Utah right now and in Washington County. Yeah, so currently Utah is sixth in the nation for suicide and our Washington County numbers are relatively high for the state. But the good news is, and we're really happy about this, the good news is that the trends are moving in the right direction. We're currently number six. Um, We previously over the past decade have been number five in the nation. And we've seen a decrease in suicide numbers in the Southwest area, about 14.5% since 2015-16. And that does include up to July 30th. So that does include the COVID period. Yeah, I was going to talk about that. What has the trend been like since we've had COVID-19? Maybe there's a graph that you can tell us about showing that suicide trend and how it's actually kind of gone down. Yeah, it's it's awesome. We're really, really happy about these data that are showing that the trend is moving down. Um, traditionally, we have a little bit of an upswing in the spring. And so, but currently those numbers have leveled out. Um, we haven't seen an increase. We have seen an increase in crisis calls. But that might be telling us that the Reach for Hope efforts and the statewide efforts with the Live On campaign have helped people understand how to recognize warning signs and that there is help out there. And we want them to be calling and and reaching out and getting the resources that they need. Right. Suicide comparison. There's a chart on that. Tell us what this one's about. So the comparison, this is this is for age. Is that what that is? Yes, I believe so. Okay, so what we want to do is recognize the fact that suicide is a lifespan issue. Um, y- you know, it's not something that just occurs in adolescence. I think that's a misperception out there. People believe that it's only teenagers or young people that are dying by suicide because those are the ones that we hear about. 
Uh, but our middle-aged male population is the most risk demographic for suicide. Um, also, our elderly population. And, and, and there are other at-risk demographics as well. Our veterans are high risk. Our first responders are high risk. Our LGBTQ population is high risk. And so we want to address those populations in a way that's meaningful and effective for them. Now, we also have a, a chart that shows the breakdown of that suicide by age. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us about how that's possibly changed and, and what is the highest risk? So category. So the highest risk category is, um, well, 10 to 21 year olds, that's the, the leading cause of death for 10 to 21 year olds in the state. But that doesn't mean that's the highest demographic for suicide. Mm-hmm. It's, it's middle-aged men. And that is, um, the demographic actually between, I, I think 34, I, I don't know the exact number on that, but but middle-aged males are, are one of our biggest concerns for a lot of reasons. They don't seek help. Um, there's that idea that, that if you're seeking help for mental illness, that that demonstrates a weakness in some way. And the message we want to get out is that we need our middle-aged male population to help um, take care of us. And so we want them to be taking care of themselves so that they're healthy mentally and physically and that they're, they're able to uh, take care of those around them. A lot of responsibility there when you're the head of the family or you're, you've got a family to take care of. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's that's a responsibility, especially during these tough times with the pandemic. Yes. Now, the Reach for Hope Coalition has been working very hard. I, I, I see you have things on Instagram and mm-hmm. all over the place um, trying to get that word out. Uh, important messages and resources that are available in our community. Uh, many people times though people who are dealing with depression or thoughts of suicide of be feeling alone they're not alone but they feel alone tell us why it's important to remember that you're not alone if you have these feelings um there's a lot of us out there that you know think about things and say wow i I just don't know if i can cope one more day yeah i think that almost everyone struggles at one time or another with with mental health issues we've all gone through things and and suffered from depression at one time or another, whether that's um, episodic or or long-term depression um, be based on your biology. But everybody struggles at one time or another. And I think that being able to talk about that openly and helping others recognize that we've all, you know, those of us who are still here, we've all gotten through the worst crisis in our lives and we're okay and, and we'll have another crisis and that will be hard, but we find ways to cope and we find ways to support each other as we're willing to talk about these issues. And that's why it's important to have education moments like this, where we can tell people you're not alone. There is help. We do have, uh, you know, education out there to ways to cope and some skills and things. And hopefully we can talk about that in, in a bit. Now we have a video that was recently put out that shows the importance of connecting and reaching out to others. And um, I understand that this was put together by the Reach for Hope Coalition. Yeah. Let's play that now. And so people can kind of get a feel for what you do. Perfect. Thank Thanks. you. Depression and mental health and suicide thinking affects everyone. What I would want every member to know in my community is that they are loved. My name is Jamie Christiansen, and I am the chairman of the Reach for Hope Coalition. The mission of the Reach for Hope Coalition is to provide education and resources about suicide prevention in the Washington County area. Suicide ideation and suicide attempts are on the increase in our community. 
Because of that, we saw a need in our community to train and teach people how to have authentic conversations about suicide ideation and whether or not somebody is contemplating taking their life. It's important to be open and direct when we talk about suicide and not dance around the issue and create more discomfort for someone who might be struggling. Um, always validate someone's feelings. Make sure that they feel heard. I have heard testimonies of people who otherwise were not skilled or comfortable talking about suicide. They have been able to themselves save a life by asking this very critical question. And the question really that we train participants to ask is straight out, do you feel suicidal? Do you have thoughts about killing yourself? And I have personally seen people who have come back and said, I've used this training. I've asked that question. And my neighbor is alive because I was willing and had the skills to do it. We also provide our community with what we call comfort bags. And so when somebody has attempted suicide, they themselves and their families will receive this bag. We've got a blanket, we've got art therapy, coloring pages, community resources, along with a card that just has been handwritten by one of our coalition members that communicates to these people that they are loved and to just hopefully provide that hope that keeps them moving forward. Very nice video. Now, Teresa, tell us about some of the warning signs out there for people who might be looking to for help or, or maybe see some of their loved ones might be struggling. Hey, I think one of the most important things to do is look for changes in behavior or in mood. So if you notice something that's not, um, you know, similar to behavior that they've had in the past, um, if there's a notable change in some kind of behavior or mood, or if they're talking about suicide, that's something to pay attention to. Um, we want to see if they're seeking information about suicide on the internet or otherwise, that's a red flag to be aware of as well. Um, sometimes people might seek lethal means, so they might have a sudden interest in firearms or, or they might be c gathering pills um, in an effort to, to uh, take their life that way. But those are some of the things. Also, our Reach for Hope website, that's reach4hopeutah.org. Um, can give you a comprehensive list of the warning signs to watch out for. But, but you know, if people are, are trying to, to um, uh, wrap up things in their life, trying to create some kind of closure, or maybe they've had a relapse recently, those are all things to watch for. Yeah, yeah. And if we see someone uh, with family or friends that, that might be exhibiting some of these behaviors, um, what should we do? We need to ask them specifically, are you thinking about suicide? And I, I encourage um, people to be honest and direct. I know that's a really uncomfortable question to ask, but the honesty and the directness is going to lower the, the anxiety that that individual might be feeling. It'll open up that conversation and give them permission to talk. You know, they want to talk and that's why they're throwing out those warning signs. And so letting them know that it's not going to make you uncomfortable, that you can handle that answer is going to provide the support that they need. Right. Now, I understand you guys offer uh, training for this. It's called QPR training. Tell us a little bit about that and and who can attend. Okay. QPR is um, as gatekeeper suicide prevention training, and it's offered to anyone in the community. 
If you're interested, you can get in touch with um, Terrell Parrish at Southwest Behavioral Health Center, and she can either help you set up a training, you can host that training, or you can join a training that's already taking place. And those trainings are free to the public. We'll come in as long as you have a minimum of five people. Uh, We'll come in and train your group, whether it's family, uh, church group, um, your workplace, uh, school group, any anyone that are just gather up a bunch of friends that are interested in saving lives. And the QPR stands for question, persuade and refer. So we want people to ask the question. We want them to persuade others to get help and then refer them to the appropriate resources. That's right. And it's probably saved a lot of lives, as we saw in the video that, you know, if you ask that question, you know, Maybe, maybe they want you to ask that question. Yeah, I think that they that, that's the reason they're throwing out those warning signs. They don't know how to ask for help, but they're reaching out, hoping someone will, will understand the need. Thus, reach for hope. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it, looking you know, it, at this more detailed, what is the most lethal means of suicide in Utah and across the nation? Yeah, firearms by far are the most most lethal and the most widely used means for suicide um, for two reasons. One, it's it's a much more deadly method um, for suicide. And then also the accessibility here in Utah is, is huge. Most of us here in Utah own firearms and they're unfortunately not being locked up. Um, and so that's one of the things we're encouraging people to do is lock up those lethal means, lock up medications, lock up substances so that people don't have access to that. But firearms are one of the most um, the most deadly and the most widely used. And we have um, a drug take back day, which uh-huh. is, is, is coming up soon. And, and, and we see that across the nation. And that has helped too with the opioids and, and pills that people could get a hold of that shouldn't. But tell us what we can do about our guns. How, how, do, we, how do we lock them up? So we have gun locks in the office that are free, and you can access those. We bring them to all of our uh, QPR trainings. We also want to encourage people to reach out to the coalition um, through the website. We have gun safes. that They're high-tech biometric safes that we will give you for free. Wow. If you have someone in your family that's struggling with a mental health issue and you have firearms, Um, That will give you the opportunity to make those firearms accessible to those who need them, but also keep your loved ones safe who might be suffering from some kind of mental illness. So if you can demonstrate that need, I will give you a a free biometric safe, and that way you can protect your family from attack, but also from a potential mental illness crisis. Great idea. Yeah. Now, there's also a safety message ad that went out, um, and it's called, Is Your Safety On? Yeah. It, it's been played on television, and it, mm-hmm. and it's done by youth. Um, it, I, I think it's very effective. Yeah. Let's take a look at that. Okay. Mom. Dad. Try to understand. Sometimes I'm going to be a little impulsive. Sometimes I'm going to be a lot impulsive. I mean, I'm a teenager. Like when I went through that really bad breakup. To you? It may have been no big deal. But to me, it was my whole world. It was my whole life. Remember when I got arrested? I actually thought that I would never be able to show my face in school again. And when that rumor about me started spreading. All over social media. I, um, I thought it would never end. Like, I thought the only solution was for me to end. 
not to freak you out or anything. But the leading cause of death in Utah for teens is suicide. And nearly half of those suicides are from firearms. And sorry, but they're usually yours. So help us out here. Because we may be impulsive, but we want to live. Almost all the time. But in case there are times that we forget, keep your guns and ammo locked up safely. Keep your guns and ammo locked up safely. Locked up safely. Because doing this little thing can make a big difference. Very effective message by teens. And youth are, well, as we said, ages 10 to 21, 24 are, are among the highest risk. As a matter of fact, I understand it's the leading cause of uh, suicides, the leading cause of death of this age group in Utah. Yes. We have hope squads that you are you have been instrumental in starting. Tell us about what those are and, and how these youth get together and, and become peers to people who might need help. Yeah, Hope Squad, near and dear to my heart. I've <laughs> yeah. been doing Hope Squad for, gosh, probably 15 years in Washington County. Started out at one school and then more recently it's blossomed and we have Hope Squads in nearly every secondary school in our community. Um, these youth are chosen by their peers. They're nominated as good helpers in a crisis or good listeners. And then these young people are the ears and the eyes for the school. They don't take on that burden. Um, the goal is to help them build a bridge between the person that's in crisis and the counseling department or another uh, appropriate resource to help with mental health issues. So these kids are fantastic. They go through pretty extensive training on how to recognize warning signs, how to, how to ask the question, mm -hmm. how to refer their peers um, to get the adequate support that they need. And so these young people, they're, they're actually um, just, just really the cream of the crop and they really have saved lives. There, there are quite a number of stories just in our community alone where these young people have reached out and helped build a bridge to help uh, keep someone alive. Right. And we're going to be hearing more from them in future mm -hmm. vodcasts. So yeah. stay tuned. Um, another problem we've seen among teens is social media. Tell us about how detrimental that can be when there's bullying and things happening with social media. Yeah, a lot of things can happen with social media. Um, one of the bullying is absolutely one of the things that can happen. People are willing to say things on social media that they wouldn't necessarily say to someone's face. Um, it also gives the opportunity for them to do things anonymously, which is really dangerous if they don't have to be accountable for the things that they say and do. Um, but also we look at everyone's highlight reel. You know, we compare our, our ordinary everyday lives to somebody else's vacation reel or someone else's um, best day on the planet, you know? And so we wanna make sure that, that we're not making those comparisons um, and, and feeling inadequate because of the comparisons that we're making with other people. So maybe up to parents to slow the social media down, put some hours on it. Uh, there's such a thing called vamping. Um, how can parents keep their kids from getting too much social media? Yeah, this is a concern that we have because parents need to start having their kids dock their phones in another room. It's really important. We know that if an adolescent has two risk factors, plus lack of sleep, um, that can put them high risk for suicide. And the vamping comes in when kids are basically vampiring on 
their electronic devices. And so if their phone is pinging all night because someone's texting them or friends are calling in the middle of the night, which does happen, um, it's interrupting those sleep patterns. And, and once again, it puts them high risk for suicide if they're not getting adequate sleep and they have other risk factors as well. Right. That's very important to get sleep for everyone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Another thing we can do uh, is self-care. And this is part of sleep. Yes. It, and it and it's called taking a selfie. Tell yeah. us a little bit about what selfie stands for and, and why it's important for, for people to um, actually take this selfie care. Yeah, we, we love this so much. Selfie is an acronym for self-care. Um, and the S stands for adequate sleep. So the S stands for adequate sleep. The E stands for getting appropriate exercise. The L stands for light or vitamin D. So we need to get outdoors in order to um, keep the vitamin D up in our body, which which contributes to our mental health. Um, the F stands for fun. Give yourselves permission to have fun. And the I stands for interaction. So we need social interaction. I think that's one of the most important things that we can do to prevent suicide is to help create and foster those connections that we have. And then the last D is for eating healthy. Proper nutrition will keep us physically healthy as well as mentally healthy. So take a selfie in a little different way um, for mental health. Right. And and stay away from COVID-19. Yes. <laughs> That's okay. uh, you know, it typically takes a crisis to trigger thoughts of suicide. Tell us how big um, a big sign is to, that needs to be addressed right away so that we know that if we're in crisis, we, we've got to uh, deal with it right away. Yeah. So... Um, Suicide's a really complicated issue. It's a complex issue, and there's never just one thing that leads someone to suicide, but a crisis can be the trigger if there are other underlying things. And so we need to be aware of those warning signs. We know that um, if someone has access to lethal means, that that puts them at much higher risk in that uh, two to three hour window following a crisis. We know that suicides often take place in the home, about 80%. So if, if someone's gone through a crisis, they, are, uh, they have access to lethal means, and they are home alone, um, we need to make sure that we create some kind of intervention. We need to, to get to them as soon as possible and make sure that we're getting them immediate adequate care. Speaking of which, resources that are out there right now, if someone does need help, where can they turn? Inner Mountain has a wonderful resource at the Access Center. Um, If someone is over 18 and suffering from suicide ideation, needs immediate treatment, the Access Center at Inner Mountain is is the place that you would want to take them. Um, If it's an adolescent or a child, the Behavioral Medical Unit at at Inner Mountain um, can help as well. Or they can call the National Suicide Prevention Hotline at 1-800-273-TALK. Um, we also have resources online for young people called Safe UT. The Safe UT is an app where they can access a mental health crisis worker 24-7, and that will put them in touch with someone who can help guide them to additional local resources. Right. Well, we're going to be having some more vodcasts and podcasts coming up, so we'll be talking more in detail about this. Tell us briefly about what some of the topics we might just touch on in the future. Yeah, I'm excited. We're going to share a lot about resources and we'll have experts in their own domains come in and talk about that. 
We'll also have people who work with high-risk populations. So we'll have um, Brad Evans from the VA come in and talk about how how that's a population we're concerned about. We will have people in the private sector talk about resources they have, um, also our youth and the things that they have to offer. Yeah, we'll I'll be looking forward to that. And we're going to do this every other week and through mm-hmm. the holidays and then possibly into next year. Yeah. So anybody that wants to take and check that out, come back because we're willing to (laughs) to share our information. And I appreciate you sharing all of your information with us. And and, uh, is is there anything last uh, message you'd just like to say? I really want people to visit our website. It's reach the number four hopeutah.org and also the liveon.org campaign that the state is pushing out. Please access those resources. Please become familiar with the things that we have available to you so that we can all work together to save lives. All right. Thank you for for sharing with us, and thank you for sharing. And we hope that uh, you reach out for hope, because there's always hope. The Reach for Hope Coalition wants you to know that we care about you, and we are here to help. If you or someone you know is thinking about suicide, reach out. You're not alone. To access resources for yourself or others, visit our webpage at reachforhopeutah.org. That's reach, the number four, hopeutah.org. If you are experiencing a crisis, please call the Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK because you matter and there is always hope.